We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Theo Greminger of PlayerProfiler.com. We are going to review the NFFC Rotowire Online Championship that you and I both participated in, and we're going to identify a few mistakes that people made, a few good picks, but we just don't want other people that jump into the Rotowire Online Championship to make these same mistakes. And I, I have to say that, you know, maybe I made a few of them, but as always, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Circa Sports Las Vegas, Fan Tracks, and RealitySports.com, and we'll talk about them later. You participated in the draft. You participated in the live stream last night. Overall impressions of the draft that I will put up on the board as you're talking. And by the way, if you're listening on the podcast, there's a link in the audio description to view the draft board as Theo and I review it. So overall, I thought it was a good draft. You had some sharp drafters in the draft, like you had Billy Wazowski and you had Chris Vaccaro um, both drafting and they were drafting in one, one in the middle and one at the end. So two guys that like I, I draft against, uh, you know, fairly often when we get to the end of the summer, uh, those guys are, are tremendously sharp. I thought that the, for, for me, I was okay. Kind of where we were at, um, on the board. This is the first time I've gotten the one Oh one in a third round reversal. How'd I've you been, like it by the way? Did you like the one one Cause I, I, overall, I thought you did great. I don't mind it because I think you have value right now at 24 overall. And I think you have value at 36, 37 and 36, 37. You're kind of able to kind of shape a little bit of what people do. So like I got Aaron Jones in the fifth round and I think I somewhat influenced that um, him falling there uh, by going bang, bang at the wide receiver spot in the three, four turn. So I like, I don't mind. I don't, I really, I don't see a, a spot on the board that I hate drafting from uh, this year in NFFC drafts. I think it's like a, it's pretty open. And I think you can find a ton of value in that second round. Uh, and also I think you, you can find value in the third round as well. So I don't mind the one one I certainly like getting Justin Jefferson in a start three wide receiver format. I think he gives me pretty much flexibility to do whatever I want. A potential 25 point per game guy, if it all goes well, and he's got a floor of like 18 points per game. So I know I'm going into it with stability at the wide receiver spot. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, I, I don't, I don't hate it, Alan. Yeah. This is what you have to be prepared to do when you pick on the ends and specifically spot one or spot 12, you have to be okay with reaching. A lot of times we see a tier of players coming up. It's the beginning of a tier and we don't want to draft in the beginning of a tier. We was like, Oh, I still like six of the players on the board, 
But you know what happens when you're on the end. That tier dries up by the next time you're you know, 23 picks later. So you have to be okay with, quote, reaching ahead of ADP. And you were very comfortable with that. So you started your draft with Justin Jefferson. Consensus 1-1. No surprise there. Pollard. Okay. You know, listen, we, we both have agreed that Tony Pollard, as long as nobody signs there, he's going to be defensible to go ahead of any of the other running backs in this round. But this is where I was talking about the reaching part. You took Christian Watson in round three. That's ahead of his ADP. I was going to take him in round four, so I was pissed off that you did it. And then you took Debo Samuel, which nobody likes clicking the button on. But, you know, sometimes you have to make picks that necessarily you don't love, but you know the tier is going to dry up. So structurally, like going wide receiver, wide receiver there at the at the three, four, I thought was an important thing to do. But getting back to the Pollard pick, I knew I was going to take Justin Jefferson. Um you know, that's pretty, pretty easy. I think in NFFC, I don't think there's a reason to get too cute with it. If you get, if, you know, if you're max entering this contest or you're doing 20 entries, 10 entries, and you get several one-on-ones, you might want to mix it up. But again, well, who else would be a defensible one-on-one in this format? That's a, it's more of a, if I get five one-on-ones, I don't want all my, my one-on-ones to fall into the, to the Jefferson. I, cause my teams would start looking the same and you lose a little bit of, of an edge, in my opinion. You or might get, if Jefferson goes off, then you have the nuts. no. You you, you, <laughs> you definitely you definitely could, and I think that's like a that's a real argument to be had yeah. um, in terms of like. But there's you know if you look, Alan, the, the one hundred and one has been a, a clear thing of multiple years, and a lot of times that one hundred and one disappoints, whether it's injuries, whether things just don't work out. Um, so I think mixing it up, if you, but again, if I got like three one hundred and ones, I'm taking Justin Jefferson every time. It's just when you start getting into we're, we're playing devil's advocate here. Just take Justin Jefferson, everyone. Yeah, um, well, that's my point. Because last year, the 101 in a lot of these drafts was Cooper Cup. Yeah. And he was performing like a 101. Doesn't mean he has to be the best player, but he has to be a top five player in the format. And if you're going to justify someone at 101, it's very similar to after like the later peak of Adrian Peterson. When you took him at 101, you weren't drafting him because you expected 101 value back. You were expecting top three value back. And that's a win in in fantasy football. I think this year your Justin Jefferson is the perfect 101, not because he's Ladanian Tomlinson or Pete Christian McCaffrey, because he's got the youth, the floor, and the upside. Like this, you will never regret making this pick. Whereas, say, like last year with Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey in years past, you're like, man, this is a running back that can get injured. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's the unknown upside drafter still needs to dive into Justin Jefferson. And I think that the, the fact that Thielen's gone and Dalvin cook is gone. We all are expecting, you know, pretty big things from, from Jordan Addison um, to fill that Thielen role. But I think that their reliance on uh, at least they're not really a completely heavy, but I'd say they're a neutral script uh, check down team where they will throw to the, the running backs I think that this year it could it could go down a little bit, even if it's like five percent um, or potential, you know, less reliant on the running backs inside the five. You might see a few more red zone looks for Jefferson. I mean, we can galaxy brain our, our way into Justin Jefferson being 2021 Cooper Cup this year. Yeah, I mean, again, there's not much to talk about there. So structurally, Theo, um, let's identify, you know, we talked about that this is going to be a mistakes podcast at some point. So you you got in the first five rounds, you have your three receivers, you have two running backs that you're going to feel comfortable starting. But I noticed you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Now you just drafted off your board, which is, uh, you know, what the pros do. But 
Do you, would you say that Debo and Ayuk is a quote mistake? Would you redo that pick if you could? And for those just listening on the podcast, uh, Theo took uh, in the fourth round, Debo Samuel in the sixth round, Brandon Ayuk. I somewhat, I somewhat regret it. I I think that the, like the Debo play, like any, like the Debo and Watson play, I think they both give me really high upside and I, and I can, I have the floor of Jefferson. So having a little bit of variance at wide receiver two and wide receiver three was not a big deal. Um, Going with Ayuk and Debo is definitely not the ideal build. Um, But I do think individually, I'm going to have enough uh, very usable weeks out of the two that if I have to start them both, I think I'm in okay shape. Right. Um, who do you want to be quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers with uh when, or is it different for each of those players? Oh Who's no, the- for it's it's uh for me it's it's Brock Purdy all the way. I want Brock Purdy cuz uh, there's no there's less fear of Brock Purdy um you know cannibalizing the the skill position players with his legs where he you know like Trey Lance could end up if Trey Lance started a quarterback for the 49ers there's a chance he could run for eight touchdowns you know, something like that. And I think, the, uh, and a lot of yards. Even Brock, four, four to six rushing touchdowns yeah. from the quarterback takes away the upside on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and Debo's led the NFL uh, in wide receiver uh, rushing attempts for back-to-back seasons. Two seasons ago was like legendary, even this past year where there's a little bit of frustration for Samuel managers with the injuries. And also when McCaffrey came over, um, he still ended up leading the position by, by a wide margin. So for me, in it, like there's there's scenarios where Ayuk and Debo both smash. If Kittle misses time, I think they could both mm-hmm. smash. I think if McCaffrey misses time, they'd be more reliant on both of them. Uh, so there's it's a it's a very good offense. I get two pieces of it. Um, I don't love it. I think that if I could go back and potentially change a pick, that that was my next question. If you can go back and change a pick, would you change the Debo pick? I mean, let's say you have the benefit of four, like right now, you're allowed to make one swap of a player within that same round that could have been yours. Is it the Ayuk or is it the uh, the Debo switch? So for me, I, I prefer Debo to the wide receivers who went after him. So okay. I don't think there would have been a real advantage for me to to like push up you know, DJ Moore, 12, 12 spots. Okay. Um, so then and, the Ayuk port, who would you right now? You're, I'm allowing you a redo. So I think that if it was, I, I potentially would have taken uh, Miles Sanders uh, or potentially a Cam Akers where I took Brandon Ayuk and gone a little bit more, leaned a little bit more into running back early and had a, I had a three and three build instead of a four wide receiver and two build. But I think like that's also easier said than done because I wouldn't have loved uh, my options at the at the 801, uh, Alan. So it's kind of like a like a sliding doors thing. We don't know how the board would have reacted to that balance. Maybe it would have been a le- little less inclined to go as wide receiver heavy. But I don't know. I think if I could have changed it, I would have done it. But I'm not like sitting here this morning like with massive regrets. It's yeah. a little challenging having Samuel and Ayuk, but it's also you know it's it's potentially uh, a hammer if there a couple of things happen. Yeah, and like you said, you're it's almost like a high-end handcuff for wide receiver. It costs you a premium pick, but I don't dislike it either. I just want to tell everybody first about Circa. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contest in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million, Theo, in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, meaning you have to go into Circa Sports to enter, but play from anywhere. You can send it in through a proxy. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 bucks. Last place takes home $100,000. 
uh, booby prize. I mean, come on. If you get the, you could just try to tank the contest and win a hundred grand uh, with quarterly and full season payout, six million dollars guaranteed. Join Circus Survivor. So if you love Survivor contest, to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, this entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. You guys know how to play Survivor. Go twenty and zero. Uh, or be the last person standing and you will win it all. $8 million guaranteed, 14 million guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for details. Uh, are, do you play Survivor? Do you do a contest during the year, Theo? Uh, I have in the past, um, but not. it's not like my favorite thing. I love Circa, yeah. though. Circa, yeah. is, is, that's that's an awesome spot. I, I like I like to hit that up for the for Sunday NFL when I'm in Vegas. If... Um, if you're interested in doing an entry, uh, I have a, a pool. It's a two. There's two levels to the pool. And again, if you don't love Survivor, it's no reason to do it. But there's a $25 one, and I have a $100 one. I don't run it, but a, an associate of mine does. And you know, you get it's like a $5,000 prize. And again, it's just I think um, Survivor content is good when you're on a podcast. Hey, who do you think is going to win? Oh my God, we've made it to week eight. You know, so. If you're interested, um, I'll, I'll give you the details on that. Anyone listening to this podcast, you are not invited. Okay. Appreciate that, Alan. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, you no. for getting. No problem. No problem. Um, we so we were talking about uh, the some draft mistakes that we made on. Uh, you know, you were talking about how you the two San Francisco 49ers. I don't think that was as big as a mistake as you know someone looking at the board might think. Uh, you took some heat for your eighth and ninth round pick of James Conner. Uh, I think that if, if, you know, we get, uh, we look at ADP, we think, oh, this guy's an eighth round pick. This guy's a fourth round pick. I believe that James Conner is a defensible fifth round pick. I, I, you know, Alan, it's funny because we, I took on air heat, but I don't think anybody who drafts a lot in these contests is, 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 uh, disliking that sort of value. Exactly. And, and I was still, I was still able to get a George Pickens, but explain if, why first. Explain why James Conner in the eighth round is it could be. I would say this is one of the top five picks of the draft as far as value. So I think James Conner gets my team off to a really fast start because I think James Conner might lead all running backs and touches for the first month of the season. You know, he could potentially break down. But at the end of the day, the Arizona Cardinals are going to lean on him like they did the end of last season. He also caught passes to end last season. He had he's several games. Down, yeah, He's a three down back who has top five finishes on yeah. multiple teams. And the backs behind him are Keontae Ingram, who I like. I've been drafting a lot of Keontae Ingram and I took him in this draft. But it's funny that the James Conner hate. It's like we talk about this on the Sonic Truth Pod, Alan. People hate drafting Arizona Cardinals. People hate drafting Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're able to get them at a, at a significant discount right now. I think Chris Godwin's a value. I think James Conner's a value. And it's just like when you when you pull that press the button, nobody in your league is going to go like, oh, that's so cool that you got him. But at the end of the day, if James Conner averages 15 points per game over the first four games of the season, I'm not surprised by that. I think there's a chance he could break down. That's every running back. But that's know. every running back. Exactly. So it's like to get that oh, sort except, of volume. Except one. There's one running back that's not breaking down this year. His name is Bijan Robinson. Oh yeah, Bijan Robinson to the moon, Alan. I'm with you on that one. Um, but it's funny, like the I don't think I don't think anybody would give me like there's no like there was Todd didn't like my James Conner pick, but I I know that there's some very very sharp drafters on him. I'm not going to name their names because I don't want to give away their draft strategy. But a couple of guys that draft regularly in the NFFC like James Conner 
Um, and I think he's fine. And I was able to balance him with really high upside picks. All three picks around him were high upside guys, in well, my he, opinion. Here's the okay, here's the James Conner dilemma. He uh you were the if you were taking a running back there, David Montgomery, who a lot of people like in the eighth round as well. I mean, Jamal Williams in the David Montgomery's new role on the Lions led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Was Montgomery even a consideration for you, or was this an easy call when you were picking a running back in the eighth round? No, I think that they're absolutely um, two guys that I would consider in the same tier. Um, I like both those guys, Alan. I think that David Montgomery, again, um, you know, he has maybe less of a, of a, of a potential touch weekly touch role and certainly a little less receiving upside, but I think Detroit's going to score a ton of points. I think, Gibbs and Montgomery are fine to take, but Alan, I draft a lot. I took David Montgomery like Monday night in the yeah. uh, seventh round of a, of another uh, format three fifty. Um, so I'm like, I'm, I'm open to drafting both. I think structurally they both make a ton of sense. I'm okay in a, in a really heavy wide receiver build to start with one of those guys as my RB two. This one, I get him as my RB three. So, I mean, eight away, anybody wants to hate James Connor. It's like, that's cool. Give me all the James Connor in the eighth. Yeah. And you know, I, f- Jokingly, but kind of seriously, uh, on the Sonic Truth podcast, which you produce at the Player Profiler Network, said that James Conner will outproduce Brees Hall uh, this season in fantasy points, and that's looking more and more likely. It, to me, it was a stone-cold lock, being that James Conner is going to get a, a six-week head start on him there. Uh, Theo, my draft, I'm going to move over to the sixth spot. So anyone, again, listening on the audio podcast, just go in the video description, or the audio description, click on the show the board link, and you could see uh, Theo picked from the one spot. I picked from the six spot. Uh, I have been touting Bijan Robinson. I'm taking him. I would take him a pick two, and I really stand by that, except you have to adjust to the format itself. The NFFC format in a room like this is you need to have wide receivers that you feel good about starting every week, or you're just, you're, you cannot win, in my judgment. Uh, you, you don't want to start getting into these, like, uh, you don't want like Mike Williams, who I did take later on to be your first wide receiver because you're hogging some running backs. Now, if you want to do a contrarian strategy like that, it's fine. So ultimately, as much as I love Bijan Robinson and I would have taken him as the first running back off the board, I still believe having an elite wide receiver in the first, at least one in the first two rounds in this format is the way to go. Did I make a mistake passing on Bijan for Tyreek Hill? I don't think you made a I don't think you made a mistake um, with with your selection of Tyree Kill. I think Tyree Kill has wide receiver one overall upside. I think that there's it's just a when when I think it's difficult to start running back running back in the NFFC, um, which I know you didn't do. And Tyree Kill also opened you up to the running back running back um, second and third round um, move, which. You know, you wouldn't have been open to that if you had gone with Bijan in the, in the first round. Like Billy Wazowski at the 12 spot won this contest in 2021, took over 250K or 200K, um, and Billy won it with a hero build. Um, so, like, he's went, I believe he went running back and then hammered wide receiver. So, like, you can start with Bijan, you could start with Eckler, you could start with McCaffrey. But usually, if I'm going with a first round running back in NFFC, um, I would kind of automatically be into like at least wide receiver wide receiver. I'd want at least two of them in the, in the third and fourth round. So Tyree kill potentially gives you like an anchor wide receiver. I think where you maybe got into a little bit of trouble, Alan, you could, you could be harsh. I mean, well, no, that's not harsh because I love the player selections. Like I loved Justin Herbert 
in this format with the six point passing touchdowns is uh, like, you know, that's a very good value. And I think that Justin Herbert right now is being underdrafted. So I got him at the 4.6, just so everybody knows. Yeah. And that's for NFFC. That's, that's perfectly fine. And we're talking about a guy, Justin Herbert, that we were taking as QB two overall, a lot of times last year. So where do you think I got jammed up then? You got jammed up. I think potentially with the, with the Darren Waller and Justin Herbert um, bang, banging quarterback and tight end as enticing as it is, you're, you have less outs there. Darren Waller needs explain to explain what be, you mean by outs. Explain. Well, I think that it kind of, I don't, I don't like for, for this sort of build, it actually kind of worked out okay for you. But I think oftentimes in these higher end NFFC drafts, if I take a quarterback and a tight end, two of them in the first six rounds, it really limits me. It does. Um, but it's, here, here's the thing, and you're right, Theo, but I'm looking at Darren Waller is basically wide receiver a wide receiver because he's one of the rare guys that is going in PPR formats that if you're telling me three wide, three tight ends got over 70 catches this year, isn't he going to be one of them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that he's one of the few tight ends that you could say is could get 130 targets. Right. And again, Um, he may not even, he might get three touchdowns, right? And then it doesn't really pay off. I did not plan on taking Waller in the six at all, but it's just, I didn't, and that's the problem. Everyone's going to be weak somewhere. I mean, my wide receiver three is going to be a problem. But you you said something that I really want people to understand. The onesie positions, quarterback and tight end. If you and want I, it, go ahead, Theo. I was also going to say, when, and also when you did go uh, quarterback and, and, and tight end, I think that you should have leaned into your Herbert uh, and built a stack by well, forcing. Mike Williams. Yeah, but I think I, I would have gone uh, as, you know, as, I like Rashad White a lot, mm-hmm. but you already are, are extremely strong at, at running back. I would have gone Quentin Johnston and leaned into wide receiver in the seventh round because you were able to get Jamal Williams in the 11th. Um, so Allen got Jamal Williams in the middle of the 11th round. Like I think with your Nick Chubb and Jameer Gibbs start. It's enough. J- Jamal Williams as your running, running back three would be, would be okay. And yep. you could have grabbed Jerome Ford and just leaned into the Cleveland um, so I think I would have I would have forced that stack a little bit more. I think that the the Waller Herbert combination almost made you you should have you know gone away from getting your RB three in the seventh and leaned into wide receiver even if it was an upside wide receiver um, that you couldn't necessarily use in week one. That Pickens Burks Quentin Johnson tier is enticing, and I think that you could have just pushed Quentin Johnson like Quentin Johnson Mike Williams if Keenan Allen went down with your Justin Herbert correlation. That's that's really good in a, in a tournament. Yeah. So what you're OK, all makes sense. The reason that and in hindsight, I think that could be a draft mistake. I did not want Quentin Johnson because I'm not a rookie wide receiver drafter. Now, it's hurt me with Jamar Chase. It killed me with Jamar Chase. It killed me with Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Right? Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Uh so, yes, there are. It, so it depends on the price, right? Like last year, Chris Olave you were getting him at a fair price at like the seventh, eighth, ninth round. You know, it was somewhere in there in the seventh round. It's tricky. If you are doing the weight on quarterback thing, you can get those type of guys. But when you're, when you take a, an elite quarterback in by elite quarterback, I cut that off at the Joe Burrow. Now, you know, you could project that Lawrence is going to be in that tier or Watson, but field certainly belongs in there too. It, it, 
it changes the build and the construction. But you're right, though, because right now, my wide receiver three, and you know, I have the stack of Herbert and Mike Williams. I also have Gerald Everett later, by the way. But I see what you're saying. In an overall contest, you have to almost draft like you're right. And what happens if Mike Williams goes down or is just, you know, if it's him and Quentin Johnson, it's Keenan Allen that goes out. I limited my upside. I'm almost playing this. I almost drafted like this was a um, a contained 12-person league rather than an overall contest. Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, there is a, a bullish argument, Alan, that you could also potentially just flex Waller and lean into a, a, the stack with it and make Everett a, a touchdown dependent tight end. Interesting. I just think it's a little it's a little thin at, at wide receiver. Oh, very thin. Yeah, so you're just a little thin at wide out. And I think that the, uh, I think a little like unnecessarily heavy at running back because I think Chubb and, and Gibbs kind of gave you a, you know, two potential top eight well, guys. Here's, here's the thing um, that I've learned in the past with the NFFC. So um, a lot of NFFC players are go wide receiver heavy. And then they say, I'm going to use my fab just to get the next man up running back. If, uh, if Jonathan Taylor goes down, we're going to bid big on Zach Moss. Not that we think Zach Moss has upside, but if we if he gets 15 touches, that'll get me through the week. I wanted to make sure I was good at running back so because I don't want to be in on that big bidding for running backs. It's very rare that wide receivers pop up on the waiver wire that are usable, right? I mean, if Justin Jefferson went down, there's no wide receiver that you're going to be like, spend half your fab on because you think that, this wide receiver is going to be get the same target load as Justin Jefferson. It'll probably be spread around, but it's the opposite is true for running back. So it is easier. I agree to go wide receivers and then use your fab in the NFFC or any league to get the running backs. Cause we have those projectable touches. The, you know, I said, I got a little mesmerized with Darren Waller because, but I like what you said there. If I, if, if Everett proves to have a floor of like five for 50 every week, if Herbert is hitting him, now he becomes that guy. Waller becomes my flex. And then also in my draft, I have uh, in the eighth, ninth, and 10th round, I got Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, and Odell Beckham. I'm hoping Gabe Davis can take that step to be a consistent fantasy producer. And usually I like to have a boom bust guy like that in my wide receiver three position. But if I don't have the stomach for it with Gabe Davis, I'm hoping that Jacoby Myers could be that six for 80 type of player, 12 to 14 point guy that I can, you know, he's a terrible, boring pick Jacoby Myers. So I like, I like Jacoby Myers right now. Yeah. I think that uh, like if the, if Hunter Renfro is moved, uh, then I think Jacoby Myers ADP will, will tick up. Um, it's a, it's nobody wants to click the button on Jacoby Myers, but like, I do like him a lot um, where you got him in the ninth. I think that I would have probably, leaned into a often banged up Rashad Bateman. But I think the fact that you had gone Gabe Davis, you're already gone with like a, like a high variance uh, player. Um, then I think Myers does make kind of set a little bit of sense to, to balance him. Alan, you hate these younger upside wide receivers. You have an old, old, <laughs> old wide receiver core. I, I love old. I'm old man drafter. Yeah, yeah I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind drafting boring. I've, you know, in the 10, nine, 10 years I've been in the NFFC, I've won my contained league six times. And now again, that's, you know, that's 1500 bucks. That's not the grand prize. Uh, I've never hit the money. So maybe I need to change my thinking a little bit where not worry about my 12 team league where it's, you know, you only the top two cash. And since I've had good luck doing that, but maybe my upside's limited. So I'm going to have to rethink that for my next, 
NFFC uh, online championship, which is, by the way, August 24th, if anyone wants to get into that. I put the link in the uh, video and audio description to sign up for that on August 24th. Theo, you did not you did not go for the elite quarterback. You went for the weight on quarterback, and you played it how you're supposed to play it in 2023, meaning you get the high upside QB with Anthony Richardson, the rookie from Indianapolis in round 13, on the 12-13 turn, but you also get the safety of Dak. I don't think there's anybody that's excited about starting Dak Prescott, but I think he is the Mendoza line for someone that's a set it and forget it until Anthony Richardson at least shows you one or two good games uh, that he has like that rookie Cam Newton upside. Yeah, for me, it's once Deshaun Watson is selected um, that I I think it gets a little bit flat. Um, And I have liked Daniel Jones in this range as well. Um, But he was he was drafted, uh, you know, slightly a little bit slightly early. I thought team team eight made a nice selection with him, um, even though there was no correlate. Actually, I take that back. Team eight made a big mistake. There's absolutely no reason to take Daniel Jones when you have Trevor Lawrence in the fifth round. Right. Um, so wait, let's just go over that for the people just listening. Team eight, who's my boy, the fantasy football geek. Uh, he had a proxy, a proxy drafter, but he did hand in his list. So he t- he took Trevor Lawrence in five. Right. There's no reason to take. Right. If you take an elite quarterback. The payoff of that is that you don't have to take a backup until the late middle double digit rounds. Yeah. And if you took his team and you took away Daniel Jones as a QB two in round uh, and, 10. and round uh, in round, round nine, round nine, right? Uh, you got Dubs yep. is, round, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So round nine, Daniel Jones, if he would have swapped in Bateman, Myers, Khalil his, Herbert, Zach his favorite Charbonnet, wide receiver four. His yeah, favorite or, or one of those running backs that went with the Herbert Charbonnet and Dylan or a chain like one of those four running backs or one of the the three wide receivers, like we would love that build because he did make a lot of very strong picks. Uh, he actually leaned a, a lot into upside at the wide receiver spot, got Addison, Dotson, and Zay Flowers to go with Devonta Smith. So he's got a little bit of upside. He has Romeo Dubs in the 10th, which has a little bit of upside, you know, in terms of targets. So he had some interesting selections. Um, but again, I, I that QB, taking a QB2 uh, taking two quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds, unless it's like the ninth and 10th round, which is still probably not really the the best, the best way to use your draft capital. Once I take Trevor Lawrence in the fifth, then I don't need to take another quarterback period. And if I do want to take one, it's going to be in the back half of the draft as, as a backup. I'll suggest this. I think that you, that's a, a good mistake that you identified in these drafts here, but how about the opposite point of view, where if you believe Daniel Jones and I do is a high upside top eight, upside top seven upside fantasy quarterback with the rushing and the lack of turnovers. Why not just pass on Lawrence and grab, you know, whoever your favorite fifth round um, wide receiver is, you know, if it's Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, or if you like Ken Walker there, why not just do it that way? I I do think that there's like, I like Daniel Jones, but I think Trevor Lawrence certainly has a, a, like the best season for Trevor Lawrence this year is better than what the best season for Daniel Jones will be. I think Lawrence is kind of in that, you know, semi elite tier. The guys that, you know, if you squint hard enough and you and you can paint a picture that he could be QB one overall, uh, whereas Daniel Jones doesn't have the weapons at wide receiver, I think to push to that kind of magic number, he's going to have to do it with his legs and also Waller and Barkley having big, big seasons. I also think, Alan, it's like taking Daniel Jones there. If it was a potential, I don't want to say the word stack block, but if if Team Seven Chris Vaccaro had Saquon Barkley in the second round and did not take Joe Burrow, 
then Daniel Jones would have been maybe a target of his. And if, and, or I would say you, if you didn't take Justin Herbert correlating Darren Waller and Daniel Jones, so like that. team six and team seven, there was zero pressure on those guys to take Jones. So I think like where he took him was kind of a, Hey, I don't love any of these wide receivers and I don't love any of these running backs, but I think he still should have leaned into it. I even think taking Pat Frymouth as a tight end too would have been a better pick than Daniel Jones for him there. Just based on the, the structure, there's just no reason to do it. Um, Team 10 is kind of like a Danny. That's my, that's my friend DK, Danny Kane. Go ahead. He's yeah, usually so like go ahead. Danny Kane. Like what, what Danny Kane did though, that was okay. He, he took Deshaun Watson a little bit later, but again, he took Russell Wilson um, when running back and well, certainly wide receiver had started to dry up. Uh, you know, he was taking Russell Wilson around the Tyler Boyd's and the Adam Thielen's and the Donovan Peoples Joneses and, there was a little less like weekly floor type wide receiver there. So like he took Russell Wilson and he was able to build a secondary stack with, uh, with Dulcich. So I, I don't think that's, that's the worst uh, way to, to, to handle a double, a double QB, but like you could see like how the other people did it. Like team two takes a, takes a QB doesn't take one for a while. Team three, same, same thing. I believe team uh, team three, did they go naked at QB two? Uh, so no, he took Sam Howell with his last pick. Yeah, your, so but your, actually, your, yeah, your picture is blocking it right now. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm blocking Sam Howell. But uh, yeah, it's that, that's just the a sort of like I think you limit the, the how dangerous your build is um, if you push QB two up that high in this format. All right, so let's talk about Chung for a minute. He's team four. I like what he did there. He gets Cooper Cup at pick four, takes Chris Olave, Keenan Allen. Um, is Keenan Allen in the third round a mistake, or is that just something that the smart fantasy drafters always do? Hey, I don't care that he's this old. He's in a good offense. He's going to get his targets. I know it's a bad, boring pick, but it's a productive pick. So looking at Team Chung, do you like the Keenan Allen pick, and where did he make his first mistake? See, I always kind of liked um, Chung. Chung is, Chung is my boy. I draft against him in the live uh, New York City drafts, and he's a zero RB guy. So here he goes modified. I like his, modified I like his team too, by the way. I like his, his teams team. are his teams are always dangerous, and I think that uh, Chung. One thing about his builds is it, he's the kind of guy that's not afraid to finish last, um, because like he'll take a very a little bit of risk in in his builds. But this this team actually worked out quite well for him because he's able to get James Cook and Devon A. Chain as his RB two. So like he's leaned into Travis Etienne, um, but I think he has just enough to kind of get by at RB two. But Alan, it's like for this format, he he gets it. He he's Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, and then like Keenan Allen is not as exciting. But I think if Keenan Allen has a healthy season, you're talking about a guy that's like a 14, 15 point per game yeah. uh, player. And, and he's your third wide receiver. I mean, that's you know, yeah. that's exactly what you want right there. So if he went receiver, he he takes the four receivers off the bat, but right after I tell you about fan tracks, you're gonna let me know where he's weak. Because of this four wide receiver build. First, guys, Fantrax is excited to announce the Fantrax Game Day Experience Giveaway. Fantrax will be sending one lucky fantasy football league to a regular season NFL game of their choice, along with $6,000 for its travel and accommodations. All you have to do to enter this giveaway is create or join a Fantrax league. And by the way, Fantrax, if for those who've tried it about 10 years ago, five years ago, it is way different now. I have a couple leagues on there. It is, they have really polished out the app. The more leagues you create, the more chances you have to win. 
There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it a permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. Sign up today. And then lastly, Theo, I just want to let everybody know about Reality Online, Reality Sports Online. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you actually tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz is about in the Dynasty community. Free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie draft, multi-year team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap, and much more. It sounds a little complicated, right? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online is the front office, and it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy, Theo. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this platform is going to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out our general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, to get 10% discount on your team. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Let me take a breath here. Hold on a second. That's okay. a very, very good live read. Oh, um, my God. You're a pro. You're a pro. Well, you make it easy, my friend. You're an excellent uh, uh, analyst in the color chair. By the way, if you like um, seeing Theo on the podcast, uh, him and I do a podcast uh, every week with Matt Kelly called The Sonic Truth on the Player Profiler YouTube page. I uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening here is subscribed over there, but we're going to move that podcast to once a month during the season just to give, you know, we're going to do, it's mostly dynasty focused, so we'll be doing buys and sells and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Theo is going to be popping in on the Rotowire uh, normal podcast every once in a while in between all that kind of stuff, too. Theo, when we last left off, people were uh, looking at Team 4, Chung's team, and he just loaded up on wide receivers. Where did it cost him and why? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. See, I, I like his build um, a lot. I think that that's the kind of build that I, I have made um, in these NFFC leagues and, and felt kind of dangerous with. Um, again, like he's he's got to have a couple things work out for him. Uh, which kind of gives people a little bit of pause. But I think sometimes punting RB2 allows you to do a whole lot of things. And he punted QB uh, and he punted RB2. Uh, he still ended up getting Tua and Geno Smith. So yeah. I don't, I, I think that could be kind of a headache for him. Um, right. Like understanding which one to start. Like week one, you have Tua against the Chargers. I mean, I, yeah. is that seems like it would be a good start. I don't know. I mean, but then you have who's the Seattle playing week one? That I, I I would have to pull up, but okay, I think so. he built he actually built two sneaky correlations as well with Tua and, and Devon A Chain, which is like A Chain potential as potential as a receiver out of the backfield, um, and you also have the Traylon, uh, excuse me, um, he's got the Geno with Jackson Smith and Jigba, so like I, I like I like what he did a lot, and again like Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, he has the best trio of wide receivers I think of anybody. Uh, in this build, at least at least at the beginning. And shout out to Lee Ving. This is a six-point passing touchdown. This is a one-point PPR start three wide receiver with a flex. And a lot of people put a wide receiver in the flex in no, NFC. No tiny, no tight end premium either for those. No, I mean, none. none. I, five years ago, Theo, I would never have to answer that question. It's just so funny that that's like a question we get. And that shows that everyone's getting out there and trying different types of leagues. All yeah. right, let's move over. To Statsational's team, team two. Now, uh, Theo, Statsational, Mark, uh, sorry, Mark, John Alicia, uh, he is a world-ranked DFS player. He, he plays high-stakes uh, redraft, but he'll admit that, you know, he this is not his area of strength. I think he did some really good things, but I do think he made a few mistakes here. Um, and it, we're trying to identify mistakes, not because we're just bagging on people, because we want you, when you try the NFFC, the listener, uh, we wouldn't want you to make these same mistakes. And by the way, doesn't mean that Theo and I have the book on what's right and what's wrong. Uh, we just this is how we play uh, high stakes fantasy. So the two tight ends he took Hawkinson around four, Kittle in round six. Is that a mistake or is that a good play? I feel like it's it's slightly trying to thread the needle. I mean, both those guys have have high have high upsides, and but you're basically needing both those guys to be fifteen point per game types. Like, and again, at the tight end position. Tight end six is like wide receiver 36. Um, so so wait, one say of them, that again. Say that again. This is not an exact science, but it, tight end tight end one has been like wide receiver six. That's been like Travis Kelsey in, fa- usually, in fantasy scoring. in fantasy scoring. Right. But when you get down to like tight end six, you're starting to talk about like the low end wide receiver threes. OK, so, so even if, though you if, have tight end six, it's like the same as having like wide receiver 28 or 33. 
Yeah. And it's in exact science. I did some research into this years ago and I put it on Twitter and people liked it. Maybe I need to update that. Do an article that. about this. I mean, I'm yeah. not telling you, I'm not giving you a yeah, sign. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's actually a really good idea. But um, the, like you even think back to like the super impactful seasons from tight ends, like Mark Andrews, when, when he, he averaged, you know, 15 plus points per game, I think he was like a 17 point per game guy. Like that's, that's awesome. Like, and if he hits on TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle and both those guys give him legitimate, like, 14 points plus, then I think it's fine. But I think double tapping it in retrospect was difficult. Like, and George Kittle presented himself as a really good value, I think in the sixth round. So what would um, you have done here? So give, give the correction, would you've passed on Hawkinson in four for, you know, you could see who went after him on there in the board, or would you've, again, we're talking only hindsight here or passed on Kittle. Now, when you pass on Kittle, you know, you have Hawkinson. So which one of these represents the better value and who's the player that you would take instead of the one that you're about to cross off. I think Kittle in the sixth round is a better value than Hawkinson in the fourth in NFFC. But once it, it like, I like there's people that would argue that. So there's some people that are on the TJ Hawkinson could be tight end one overall this year train. And that's, if you believe that that's fine. But once I've selected TJ Hawkinson in the fourth round, I'm not taking another tight end in this. I think a lot of people do play tight end premium Allen and the double tight end builds in that, in those sort of formats, like I'm okay with. Right. But again, like here, it's uh, he would he didn't necessarily love the Jackson Smith and Jigba, Hollywood Brown, Jordan Addison, Tyler Lockett tier. But having one of those guys instead of instead of Kittle, I think at the end of the day, he would have liked it because he had he basically had to play catch up at wide receiver. I like the Brandon Cooks pick. That was fine. I probably would have considered Cooks over Connor uh, if I had a, I would have gone Pickens Cooks fine where I picked. But yeah. Like going in with this Juju, Sutton, Lazard, DPJ, and trying to cover up at wide receiver um, is difficult. I think devil's advocate is he's only going to have to start three wide receivers because right. more the Hawkinson Kittle commits you to one in the flex. Um, but having Christian Kirk as your wide receiver one and those guys, you know, picking for your two and three, that's that is difficult. Any worries? He took Josh Jacobs at the end of the third round. Everybody that's listening to this podcast understands that there's some serious holdout risk with Josh Jacobs. And even if he doesn't hold out, you have an unhappy running back here. You have a running back that, you know, I, I know that this is like a, a narrative thing to say where, oh, okay, if he has like a little bit of a, a hangnail, he's going to sit out. But there's something to that. Is the, the end of the third round, is that the right place for Jacobs or is that a mistake if you're drafting right when you hear this podcast? I think end of third is fine for Jacobs. I think that the, like, he's not a target of mine, but Etienne if, or Jacobs, Jacobs. Okay. Etienne. I like, I, I like Etienne, but I'll, I'll say, I mean, Jacobs showed us last year that he's able to handle excessive amount of volume and the Raiders also passed to him. Etienne, we want him to be passed to. I picked six already. We talked about my first pick Tyreek Hill. I almost took Amon Ross St. Brown. I know you like Amon Ross St. Brown, but is that a bridge too far? Like if you did like a player that much as I like Amon Ra. What is, is it okay to take him at pick six, or do you think that Tyreek Hill is still the better pick for fantasy football? I am okay pushing Amon Ross St. Brown up. I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud. I think he gets like 170 targets this year. But I, I would, you know, gun to head, if I was doing one entry in this, I would take Tyreek Hill over him. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been pushing up Amon Ra into like the, and like the 108. Like I've gotten a couple of 108s where I've, I've gone Amon Ross St. Brown, and uh, I like pushing him up. I took him in the, in a, in a high stakes format at the, at, I did these exact same start as Billy Wazowski. Yeah. And that kind of makes me feel good when Billy's doing the same thing I did. Um, but I did Amon Ross St. Brown and AJ Brown start in a, in a high stakes one. 
And I love that start that he had. I'm okay pushing Amon Ross St. Brown up. I think he's a stud. All right. We're going to talk about a mistake that if you're listening to this and we identify this mistake, you're going to say, this isn't a mistake. You're going to think we're nuts. But Theo, the guy who took Travis Kelsey, Team 9, Lalande, he we usually don't see the that team take Patrick Mahomes, not because they don't want to, but because he's just not available to them because we see Kelsey go a lot earlier in some of these high-stakes drafts. It's hard to blame Lalande for going Kelsey Mahomes at 9 and what is that, pick like 6, let's say 13, 14, 16. But we talked about earlier in the podcast that taking the onesie positions in the top five picks, both of them, does limit some of your flexibility. Is this mistake given that this was pretty much the answer key last year? I hate calling this a mistake again. Me too. Like, tight. So, so this is, there's a couple of issues here right now with taking Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. It's almost a law that if you take Travis Kelsey, you take Mahomes, you whether, whether, right. whether it's, whether it's a best ball format, like underdog, does RotoWire do a, do a promo with underdog Alan? Yes. Okay. So I'm allowed to say, I'm allowed to say the word underdog. Okay. So underdog, by the way, way, you could say, you could say a competitor. You could talk. I say, I say competitor. The only thing you can't do is, is mistake us for Roto world. I think that's a pet peeve of Peter Shanky, which by the way, I get it. You start RotoWire and all of a sudden a company came, Roto world comes up and people mistake you. It's like, you know, but go ahead. Anyway, Roto, Roto. Um, but (laughs) so, so underdog stacks, Kelsey, so underdogs, underdog, like you see it, like it's almost automatic. If you take Travis Kelsey, you take Patrick Mahomes in NFFC. You're taking Patrick Mahomes in the second round if you want him. Uh, and if it's some other formats, you can sometimes get Mahomes in the third. But a Kelsey Mahomes stacks, that's what people are doing when they get Kelsey. It's a double bet. There were, they're unbelievable players. They could be tight end one and, and quarterback one overall. But you, you really limit yourself. I think that this team uh, did it well because they well. they dove back into the wide receiver spot and they were able to recover with Metcalf, Cooper, and Hopkins with it. So, like, they did it right. I just think at the end of the day, when you're in a tournament setting like Underdog or or this particular online championship and everybody has the same correlation play, it it takes the edge off of it a little bit. That being said... If you're a high volume drafter and you're doing 10 of these and you take Travis Kelsey, you don't want to not have it. Like, but again, I think it's it's too common this year. You think back a couple seasons ago, Alan, it was Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews stack. The year after it was 2020, and Lamar Jackson had just gone insane in 2019. And Mark Andrews was tight end one overall. And you were seeing everybody doing this Mark Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson combination, and it didn't work out that year. This year, you're seeing it here with the Kelsey uh, and Mahomes. It could very well work out. It's just, I have a bunch of them on underdog. And I, and I think like I'm covering my ass on this one, uh, but it's, it's, it's trying to thread a needle. You're also like, again, you're going quarterback tight end in, in this format, which is like a difficult one. Team nine, it worked out great for him. And he did the right thing where he said, okay, I'm on quarterback and tight end. I cannot get jammed at at wide receiver. I know I'm going to get running backs. And he actually, I mean, he has a, a really, really good build here. Like yeah. team nine, team nine really did it right. And I'll say that the Rondell Moore pick, the Rashi Rice pick, and getting Kamara and Pacheco to go with Pierce and Sanders, like team nine's very, very dangerous with this pick. But I think sometimes going Kelsey Mahomes can go south. Yeah. I and, think you also have Alan, like yeah, so. when you take Kelsey at the nine. There's a, there's some Kelsey 12 teams in this format because sometimes tight end gets pushed down. So like, I know like my friend Nelson Sousa, 
who is I draft with in New York City, who's one of the best NFFC drafters, like excellent. He has a uh, Mahomes Kelsey at the 12. So like it's a slight, it's a, obviously different than what the team nine did, but like Kelsey does fall to the 12 in this format as well. So like, I haven't seen it. I've seen him go. This is the latest I've seen him go in the draft boards I've studied, but you're right. It, it because it's only a one point PPR, but yeah. I, uh, it, it just, I mean, just to give you a sense of what team uh, Theo talked about it a little bit. And by the way, if you love videos like this, if you love Theo Greminger on the podcast, do us a favor, just hit that like button. And of course, if you're, uh, if Alan, I'll any, give you, I'll give you one last well, well, year. Hang on one second. Let okay, me, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm getting people to, uh, pro, to like sorry, the, sorry, the video sorry. here. So <laughs> click the like button for us. Let us know that you enjoy content like this and click the subscribe button to the, uh, Rotowire YouTube channel. We're going to be putting up new videos every single day. All right, Theo, go ahead. Last year, I had a Kelsey at 24 overall in a, I believe it was a, a, an NFFC super or primetime. So it was a cup at the one and Kelsey at the, at the, at the, at the, at the two twelve combination. So he's really like corrected, but like last year, like Kelsey was, you know, going 15 spots higher in tight end premium. And you were able to get him at the end of the second round. So like NFC drafters have really, really adjusted with Kelsey this year. It's just interesting to see. Yeah. Well, because it, we're as much as we don't think that we're recency bias, I mean, he was the answer last year. And now it's it's a year older. So I, I told you, I, I put out a video for the Player Profiler channel, and it's also up on Rotowire YouTube. Is Kelsey is a defensible 1.1. That doesn't yeah. mean I would do it, but there is a case to take him at the first overall pick. All right, Theo, we're, as we round this out a little bit here, uh, we're talking about the biggest draft mistakes uh, let's take a quick look at team five, Throckmorton. Okay. Uh, or yeah, I have that right. Throckmorton starts off with Eckler, T Higgins, Lamar Jackson, uh, Najee Harris, very well balanced team, Michael Pittman, uh, Hollywood Brown. And you could see the rest of his team by clicking on that video link. Uh, so where do you think that he did it right? And then let's identify at least one mistake that you think he made. If at any, if any, I can't really criticize this team. Cause I think they have pretty good structure. And I thought they got good value where they selected their quarterback and their tight end. They didn't push either one of them up. Uh, if I wanted to really nitpick it, Pick. I think he could have gone Keenan Allen and and potentially taken Justin Herbert and leaned into his Austin Eckler start. Um, it could have been a little bit more dangerous. He doesn't really have any correlation um, where I think that was kind of available. But hey, man, I'm not going to criticize somebody for taking... Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to absolutely smash this season. But if, but I think if we could have changed this up and it would have been an Eckler, Higgins, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert build instead of the Najee and Lamar Jackson, I think we could have walked away and maybe thought that this was a little bit more dangerous team. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have had a lesser player at RB2, but he would have had a uh, correlation and maybe a little bit stronger wide receiver core. That's my only real criticism. Uh, but uh, other than that, like structure, he was fine. Uh, I don't think that the like the Kirk Cousins pick was egregious. Uh, I think that that was fine, but you know it's far enough back. It's not really that necessary. Like for me personally, um, like what you saw Stopa do, Stopa took uh, a high end QB Josh Allen in, in the and he didn't take his QB two until the twentieth. I think QB two is an overrated position to kind of lean into um, the, in this the defense, format. The defense for it is that in a normal sixteen, you know, twelve team draft. Uh, with 16 rounds, there's going to be high end. Like Kirk Cousins might be on the waiver wire in that league. Whereas in a 20 round, 12 team draft, 
the options on waiver wire are going to be more like the Mac Jones, maybe the rookies. So there is, it is a little bit thinner. I mean, that's the only defense. I'm not saying that you should do it. All right. For the last part of the podcast, Theo, this is what we're going to do. We're going to grade each other's teams and grade our own teams with brutal honesty. And when I say grade, we're going to use an A through F grade and then give the percentage chance that you can finish in the top two in the league because that's what gets paid in the NFFC. Okay. So I'm going to go first, right? I'm going to give your team. Uh, I, and again, this is, you know, I wanted to crap on your team, but I'm going to give it an A minus because you played the weight on quarterback perfectly. If you're going to do it, you didn't, you didn't buy into the elite tier, which allows you to get some of the other uh, wide receivers and running backs that you wanted. And you have that nice floor ceiling combination. Uh, you were patient on the end. Uh, you forced picks when you needed to like Christian Washington, the third, and you let the draft come to you. So I'm going to give you an A minus, and I'm going to say that you have a 48% chance of winning it, and I was 71% chance of finishing in the top two. Oh, that's Alan. That's that's an incredible, incredible percentage. Thank you very much. I uh, I was going to give myself like a like a B plus. I think okay. that the the I I you know I this I draft a lot, and this time of year I don't usually hate my builds. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's it's usually you want to kind of like your teams, but um, I I think my team was fine. I think that it's. Are you happy with it? I'm fine with it. I think it's. Yeah. I think I'm. A, I have a, a chance of of advancing out of this uh, this you know twelve team league and getting to the postseason with this build, and that's what it's all about. And I think I have enough mix of of uh, of floors and upsides, which I kind of like. It's not like too upside driven. It's not too floor. Um, but I'll say. Oh, shout out to team nine. Yeah, there he is. Um, uh, we were complimenting your wide receivers team nine. Very, very, yeah, very well, nice recovery. Lande, what's your first name? Put it in the chat because he's out. He said that he didn't, uh, for those just listening, he really didn't plan on starting Kelsey Mahomes, uh, but uh, he likes the rest of his build. Yeah, no, he did a great job. If you're going to start Kelsey Mahomes, usually you're chasing. He did a nice job. We, you can go rewind and listen to that. All right, Theo, you know me. You don't have to pull any punches. Um Grade my team, give me one or two rationales, and then uh, tell me my percentage chances of finishing in the money, which is the top two spots. I'm going to say that you you get a B, Alan. The the problem for you is going to be wide receiver three, and and leaning into that that uh you know flex decision every week is going to be very annoying. So I'll give you a solid B because I think that the Chubb Gibbs Hill combination is really really strong, and they all have uh, you know considerable upside out of your first three rounds. And I think that the Justin Herbert was a, was a fine pick as well. So like, I think that it's, it's difficult to say um, for your chances of winning this league, because you're going to need wide receiver health. And you're also going to need one of those guys to present themselves usable. So like Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, Odell Beckham, you've got to get something out of that. And for you, I would be hitting the, the waiver wire in the preseason waiver run. We usually have a, a, uh, a darling wide receiver. We, yeah, there's one, there's one waiver wire run for us. And I think you've got to prioritize wide receiver in that, in that waiver wire run. Give me an example of knowing who hasn't been drafted. Who's a player theoretically or specifically a wide receiver that could pop that we're all going to go after like miles Austin years ago. Remember that? Yes, I do remember that there was, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Now there was the biggest, the biggest, biggest example of this was McLaurin in 2019, who was not getting drafted in OCs. And I actually was able to draft him uh, to get him on a bunch of the first waiver wire run. He was like a third round pick uh, out of Ohio state for Washington was tearing up the preseason 
and people went and and were able to get him for like 20 percent uh which is a significant number to spend in a preseason bid that same offseason darren waller was on these preseason waiver wire runs so like yeah, we do see those kind of guys I'll give you a couple guys because I have the list of here. Of, oh, Callaway. Of, the, was it Marquise right. Callaway, right? Yeah, but uh, he got pushed up to like the fifth round. He There's did, but but you've got to remember like these started in like June. People were drafting in these. So he right. gets pushed up. He gets pushed up, but he was on the waiver wire in some of those. All right. So here's a couple candidates that could be what. And again, these are not like win you the league types, but I think a couple players that could be worth bidding on is waivers, um, waiver wire for wide receivers. Devontae Parker. Could be a play. He was not drafted. He could end up being if he has one or two touchdowns in the preseason, you're going to see some bids on him. Uh, Allen Robinson, if he does, you know, if he he's going to play a lot in the preseason or he should be playing. They want to see what they have there. He's someone that could end up there. Josh Downs. Imagine he catches two long ones, Theo. Um, Corey Davis, if there's an injury, could be an interesting one. And then the other guy who I think could uh could garner some bids is, oh, I had him here before. Uh, oh, it was Calvin Austin. If there's an injury to one of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and he catches a long touchdown. Again, Devontae Parker would be the one because he's an experienced wide receiver, the wide receiver one on his team. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, tough, uh, that's a tough sledding, Alan. Exactly, why you that. take wide receivers early. Yeah, good. That's, I, was gonna, I was trying to make a bull case for one of those guys. If Michael Pittman can, uh, is like injured, then Josh Downs could definitely be an interesting player. I would I would prioritize Downs with those guys just to see what you have in Week One. The usage and the targets could be higher than than maybe we're projecting because he has a little more juice than the guys you listed. Devontae yeah. Parker maybe maybe, um, but you're looking at both the Pittsburgh uh, wide receiver three and wide receiver four. Not good, Allen. It's yeah. tough, tough, so tough. Sudden. I'm going to give myself a B minus board. Like when I say B minus, like a 79 that was rounded up. (laughs) The teacher was nice to me. Okay. And the reason, and I think where, where I went wrong was taking Jameer Gibbs in the third round, but I really wanted him just in case that's should have easily been the Calvin Ridley spot or the Christian Watson spot. Cause this team would be looking a lot different because it would force me that I would have been in on that Miles Sanders tier or the uh, Keenan Allen spot, Allen, yeah, where you, I, you had Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I, you could have had full stack. I did not want Keenan Allen this year. But, you know, again, that's just player take. I mean, you know, everyone's entitled to that. And I think sometimes if you have, like, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, yes, if they have that season like Tom Brady did or Pete Manning did with the Broncos where you started all of them, including, uh, what was the tight end's name? Julius uh what was the tight end's name on, on Julius Thomas, Julius, Julius Thomas, Thomas. Yeah. you started Demarius Thomas. You started Welker. I mean, like you had all those guys, right? It was a Welker, right? That was on that team. They were so, they were so loaded And Julius Thomas. That was the year he had like 15 touchdown catches or something insane. Yeah. All right. Let us know in the chat real quick. Who do you, which team you think won the draft? And also you can give uh, Theo and I agree. We won't be offended. And again, we'll be back next week with another fantasy football podcast. Theo, before we go though, let everybody quickly know where they can find you on social media, on X, not on Twitter. We're calling it X now. And what they should be looking for from Player Profiler. Like the MX said, X going to give it to you, Alan. <laughs> um, so we're, we're, Best so era of hip-hop, by the way. That, oh, that early it, 2000s, it, late 90s. You know? not, not, even, not even close. It was the best. Yep. Um, so I'm at the OG Fantasy on Twitter. Um, I am the director of content at Player Profiler. You can find me, my written work on Player Profiler, 
Uh, you can find me on the podcast over there. Um, I'm on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast with Alan. That's on Tuesdays. Uh, you can find me on Press Coverage. That's my solo podcast with guests. Uh, you can find me on First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio. We're on Thursdays, usually at 3.30. Uh, we do talk a lot of high stakes over there as well. Um, you can find me on the Goat District on Wednesday evenings on Player Profiler YouTube. And then I've been doing Man versus Machine. Uh, that was a Billy Muzio podcast, but I've, I've stepped in. I've been doing a number of them. I'm going to be on this week. Uh, we do a lot of highbrow topics, Alan. We'll talk like advanced strategy and, and we get after it. It's fun. So and the, if you want to find oh, and I'm every- on with Jim Coventry tomorrow morning right here, Alan. Is that a live podcast or is that a pre-recorded? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it's a live podcast. So live, you'll but find you say me here. tomorrow morning. People don't know. Saturday, so Saturday morning yeah. with Jim Coventry right here on Rotowire. I believe it's 1130 East Coast time or 11 a.m. East Coast time. Something like that, Alan. Right. And then if you're hearing this on the repeat, like I said, you could find it on there. Uh, but if you want to find all things Theo, just go to the OG Fantasy on Twitter. He posts all of his content there. And most importantly, if you like uh, NFFC and you want to get in one of these drafts, I've put the links to join the next one, which I'm going to be running August 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's a Thursday. You can just click right on there and sign up. It's $350 to enter. There's a quarter million dollar overall prize, $1,500 league prize. And if you just don't want, if you want to, get into one before then there's another link where you can just sign up for any of the rotowire online championships theo you did it again you brought the heat we appreciate you and everyone will be back next week with another rotowire fantasy football podcast